Welcome to the Disney Wedding Podcast, brought to you by Carrie Hayward's Fairy Tale Weddings Guide, the only guidebook and bridal organizer tailored exclusively to Disney's fairy tale weddings at Walt Disney World. I'm Carrie Hayward, and each week I feature a different aspect of Disney weddings, from the latest news, information, and money-saving tips, to interviews with wedding vendors and real Disney brides and grooms. I also cover honeymoons, anniversaries, and engagements at the Disney parks and resorts. Join me now as the Disney Wedding Podcast celebrates romance at Disney destinations. Today on the Disney Wedding Podcast, we are talking all about the brand new pricing structure for weddings and vow renewals at Walt Disney World. My guest today is Chantel Kinsler, who had a ceremony at the Wedding Pavilion and a reception at Living Seas Salon. And together, we are going to go over all of these historic changes to the way Disney prices its weddings. Welcome, Chantel. Hi. <laughs> Thanks so much for being on the show today. Before we get started, can you give my listeners a little overview of how your wedding went? Yeah, sure. So we started off our timeline pretty early that day. Uh, we did hair and makeup starting at about 4 a.m., finished that by about 11. We had our first look at 11.15. We did some photos beforehand, and then we had our ceremony over at the wedding pavilion. And then we moved to the Living Sea Salon for our reception. And then after we had a dessert party over at France in Epcot to watch Illuminations. That's great. And one of the things listeners are going to learn over the course of this show is that the ceremony venue you choose now has a huge impact on the price of your event. Chantel, how did you guys choose your ceremony and reception locations? We viewed some of the ceremony locations the year prior, and we really loved the wedding pavilion. I like the design of it. It was recently renovated a couple of years ago, and I really like the chapel feel to it. The reception venues, it really depended on our numbers. I liked Living Seas just because it was kind of a unique location. It was in the park, so it was very quick to get from the reception to the dessert party, and the dessert party is one thing I knew I definitely want to do. Uh, Living Seas was something unique also for any of the families that were having kids, so they could be well entertained for the entirety of the reception. That's great. Okay, so we are going to dive right in and talk about what is different about the way Disney is doing weddings now at Walt Disney World. First of all, they have completely eliminated their package structure. So they used to have wishes, escape, and memories. Two of those were package weddings. One was a la carte. All of that is now gone. There are no more package weddings. Every wedding is completely a la carte. Now, what this means is that there are also no more guest limits. So one of the most frustrating things, I think, for a lot of the couples I talked to was that perhaps they wanted a smaller, more affordable wedding, but they couldn't reduce their guest count to meet that 20-person maximum for the escape collection or the six-person maximum for memories. So all of that is gone now. You can have as small or as large a wedding you want. The other cool thing about this new pricing structure is that weekends are now an option. It doesn't matter how big or small your wedding is, you can have your event on a Saturday or Sunday if you're willing to pay those prices. The other interesting thing about this change is that you can now choose to do just a ceremony through Disney or you can do a ceremony and a reception. And what's nice about this is that if you do choose to just do a ceremony, now all of the ceremony locations are open to you as long as you're willing to pay for the one that you want rather than being restricted because you're having a smaller wedding. The one drawback to this new pricing is that because these are not packages, you will now be assessed 6.5% tax and 25% service charge and 6.5% tax on that service charge on any of the elements that receive tax and or service charge. So in the past, when you had a package that included the tax and the service charge, and that was a great way to save a little bit of money. Now, if you want something for your wedding that happens to be taxed or to receive a service charge, you're going to pay that. The other major change that has been affected with this policy revision is that the booking timelines have now changed so that anyone can book at 12 months out as long as they're having a ceremony and a reception. If you are choosing to do just a ceremony, you will be able to book at 10 months out. 
Now, if you're hearing all of this and you're stressed out because you have already signed your letter of agreement for the old wishes collection or escape or memories collection, do not worry. You are locked in to that pricing structure and the prices that are in your contract unless you decide that you like the new pricing structure better and you request a revision to your contract from your sales consultant. So listen to this show, get out a paper and pencil, figure out what's going to be the most cost effective for you. And then you can decide whether you want to stick with what you have already signed on for, or if you want to work with Disney to sign a new letter of agreement and take advantage of these new prices. Okay, so the biggest change to Disney's fairy tale weddings and vow renewals at Walt Disney World is that they have done away with the wishes, memories, and escape collections. There is now just one way to have a wedding, and it only has one overall event minimum. So the pricing structure is a lot more simple now. So what you pay for your wedding or vow renewal at Walt Disney World is going to be an event minimum expenditure, which is a minimum amount of money that you have to spend with Disney, and it's going to be based on the venue you choose for your ceremony, the day of the week you choose, and the time of day. Now with that, you will be charged a ceremony fee that depends on what venue you choose, but that counts toward the event minimum. It is not separate the way this used to be, which is very cool and actually makes some weddings cheaper under this new pricing structure. So to find the cost of the wedding you want, you're going to need to look up the event minimum for the ceremony venue, time of day, and day of week you want. And I have the document with all of that pricing in the post for this episode on DisneyWeddingPodcast.com. And I will also have all of this information in Carrie Hayward's Fairy Tale Weddings Guide by early next week. So once you look that number up, that is your total overall spend requirement. Now there will be tax and service charge on that, but that is the minimum amount that you must spend with Disney. So if you subtract the ceremony fee for the venue that you've chosen, you will then see how much you must spend on any other service offered by Disney in order to meet the overall event minimum. So let me give you an example. If you decide that you want to get married at the wedding pavilion on a Monday at noon, that triggers a $15,000 event minimum. So you will reach that by paying a $5,000 ceremony fee to use the wedding pavilion and then spending $10,000 on anything else that Disney provides. So that's photography, floral, decor, entertainment, transportation, musicians, characters. All of that counts toward the overall $15,000 event minimum. Now, If you decide that you want to add a reception to the ceremony, and you don't have to do this now, but if you decide you do want to add a reception, you will then trigger per person minimums that are the same ones that they have been charging for wishes for the last couple of years. So if you decide, yes, I want to do the wedding pavilion ceremony, but I also want to have a meal afterwards, you're going to need to spend a certain amount per person on that meal. And those amounts are $140 per person at breakfast and brunch. So that would be the meal associated with a ceremony that starts at 8 a.m., 9 a.m., or 9.30 a.m. That's a four-hour reception. If you do a noon ceremony, that triggers the lunch per person minimum of $165, and that is for a five-hour reception. And if you have a ceremony at 2.30 p.m., 5 p.m., or 7.30 p.m., you will trigger a $190 per person food and beverage minimum for a five-hour reception. Now, don't forget that the pre-reception food, the reception food, your cake, and your bar all count toward this per person minimum. So if you have to spend $140 per person, but your cake costs $20 per person, and your bar costs $40 per person, well, right there, you've knocked $60 off that $140. And then you can work with your planner and the chef to come up with a menu that costs that $80 difference so that you can meet your $140 per person minimum. So that's a good way to do it if you are trying to stick right to these minimums. And the cool thing is these per person minimums count toward that overall event minimum. This is no longer a separate minimum. So whatever you are required to spend on that meal, that's going to count toward the overall $15,000 event minimum in our example of a Monday noon wedding pavilion ceremony. 
Now, what is confusing some people is that individual venues that in the past had their own food and beverage minimums still have these. However, they are concurrent with the per person and the event minimums, not in addition to them. This is not an extra amount that you have to spend. So unless your group is very small, if you're meeting that per person food and beverage minimum, you're almost guaranteed to automatically meet the venue specific food and beverage minimum. Let me give you an example of what that means. So if you decide that you wanna do your reception at the attic for brunch, that has a $1,000 food and beverage minimum prior to 5 p.m. Well, if you had a 10-person brunch at the attic and you're doing a Disney wedding, you're already going to be required to spend $140 per person on food and beverage. So that right there is $1,400 that you're spending on food and beverage. So you don't even have to worry about whether or not you meet the attic's minimum because you have gone above and beyond the attic's minimum. So don't worry about these individual food and beverage minimums for the venues unless you're doing one at some place with a really high one, like say you're using the entire Italy Isola in Epcot for your reception. But in general, this is not going to be an issue because you're already having to meet per person minimums that are going to take you over the individual venues food and beverage minimum. Now the other thing that I've seen a lot of questions about is what happens if you want to add a dessert party. Dessert party pricing and policies remain largely unchanged. So there is no additional minimum expenditure if you want to add a dessert party through Disney's fairy tale weddings. This can be kind of confusing because if you are not having a Disney wedding and you book a dessert party directly through Disney meetings and events, they now require you to spend at least $5,000 for that. But if you are adding a dessert party to a Disney's fairy tale wedding, there is no additional $5,000 minimum expenditure that you must meet. You just need to meet the food and beverage minimum for the location that you choose, and there might be a venue fee for the location that you choose. However, they still do not count toward your event minimum. So for many years now, Disney has not counted dessert parties toward any of the minimum expenditures required for a wishes collection, wedding, or vow renewal. And now with this new structure, that continues. So if you have a wedding ceremony and then you have a reception and then you add a dessert party, none of the costs of that dessert party will count toward your event minimum for your wedding or vow renewal. So Chantel, for my listeners who are just starting to look into Disney weddings and they have never heard of this option of having a dessert party, can you describe how your dessert party worked? So with our dessert party, it happened after our reception. You can have a dessert party at any time. It sounds like if you want it part of your wedding, it has to be on the same day, but other people I've heard having it on other days. With us, we had it following our reception. So it was starting at 8.45 p.m. and it went until 10. We had different food items and it was located at the Terrace de Flore, which is the upper portion of the France Terrace in Epcot. And we had a couple different food items. So we had some Mickey macaroons, we had Mickey ice cream bars and other novelty ice creams. We had popcorn and zebra domes. So we had four different items and while our guests were able to enjoy the fireworks and enjoy desserts, so they arrived at about 8.45. The fireworks went from 9 to 9.15 for illuminations in Epcot and during the fireworks they could enjoy the snacks while also watching the fireworks and then once the fireworks were done, they could eat their snacks until 10 when we went back on the bus and went back to the wedding pavilion for our guests to be dropped off We really wanted this option just because I thought it was kind of a fun ending to the night, not only being able to have the guests enjoy the fireworks if they had never been to the parks, it might be their only time to ever be inside of the parks. So they get to see a little bit of uh, while also seeing the fireworks. They also got some fun dessert, so it was a nice goodie at the end of the night. I also really liked being able to have the firework photos. We really wanted our photographers to stay for that extra hour So we had our firework photos as the conclusion for our wedding. Oh, yeah, that's a great point. Those firework photos are really great. Yeah. (laughs) Now, if you're thinking, you know, okay, a dessert party sounds good, but I'm already paying, you know, $140, $165, $190 per person for a reception. 
One thing you might consider is doing the reception in a dessert party location. So you could time your wedding so that the reception happens, you know, just before or during the fireworks show in Epcot, and then you would hold your reception at one of the viewing locations in Epcot. Now, this does have some restrictions because you wouldn't be able to have a DJ or any kind of amplified music until after the park closed. But if you were ready to have a later event, you could do all of the rest of your reception things like maybe the cake cutting, you can eat your meal, do everything you need to while the park is clearing out, and then have your reception extend after the park hours so that you could then have dancing in that location. So that would be the way to have your quote-unquote dessert party, but in actuality a full reception, count toward the event minimum. I have lots of interviews with people who have done outdoor dessert party type receptions, like a reception either as a dessert party or as their wedding reception, and also a show dedicated entirely to dessert parties, if you're interested in those. Okay, so let's talk about these ceremony venue fees, because the ceremony venue you pick is going to determine your event minimum. They are broken down into a couple different categories now, and the price depends on the venue you pick. So I am going to break all of this down for you by the price. Before we start, though, you should know that every ceremony venue fee includes the location, a rain backup if it's an outdoor location, basic chairs, a water station, a sound system and microphones, which is kind of a big deal because the sound system is pretty pricey on its own, and this is included in the venue fee, and you could even use it to play pre-recorded music if you wanted to. And the ceremony venue fee includes a solo musician. So at most locations, this is either a violinist or a guitarist, but at the wedding pavilion, it is an organist. And the venue fee includes free self-parking for your guests. Okay, so let's look at the different categories and prices for the ceremony venues that are going to determine how much your wedding is going to cost. The absolute cheapest venues, if you want to have the lowest priced Disney's fairy tale wedding that you can, the absolute cheapest venues are basically the old memories collection venues. These range from $5,000 to $15,000 depending on day of the week and time of day. So these cheapest locations are Luau Point, and Luau Beach South at the Polynesian Village Resort. So Luau Point is the jungle-like exit area for the Spirit of Aloha show, and Luau Beach South is a little strip of white sand and some trees. Then you can also choose at the Grand Floridian the Marina Patio and Terrace, which is right outside the Quick Service Restaurant, And then on either side of that are Sago Key and Conch Key Marina. So those are the two sort of arms of the marina. So any of those three locations also qualify you for this cheapest ceremony venue fee and event minimum. So if you pick any of those, you're going to pay a $2,500 ceremony fee on Tuesday and Wednesdays. These are the cheapest days of the week. You will pay a $5,000 overall event minimum no matter what time of day you pick. So you have to spend $5,000 total, and $2,500 of that is already taken up by your ceremony fee. So after you pay the ceremony fee, you just need to spend another $2,500 on anything that Disney can provide for your event. Now the next tier up, Monday, Thursday, and Friday, the event minimum goes up to $8,000 if you have a 9.30 a.m., noon, or 7.30 p.m. event, and it goes up to $10,000 on Monday, Thursday, and Friday if you do your event at 2.30 p.m. or 5 p.m. And the highest cost for any of these venues is on Saturday and Sunday. So if you do a 9.30 a.m., noon, or 7.30 p.m. ceremony on Saturday and Sunday, your event minimum is going to be $10,000. And if you choose a 2.30 p.m. or 5 p.m. ceremony, your event minimum will be $15,000 on a Saturday or a Sunday. And again, I have all of this in a document that you can link to from the post for this episode on DisneyWeddingPodcast.com. It's a lot to take in when you're just listening, but I think when you look at the actual document where they break it down in little charts, it will be a lot easier to understand. But let's carry on. 
So surprisingly, the next cheapest type of venues are some of the theme park venues. So this category would range from $7,000 to $17,000, and it includes all of the venues in Epcot plus two venues in Animal Kingdom, and those venues are Tamu Tamu Courtyard and Flame Tree Gardens. So for any of those, you will pay $4,500 ceremony fee, and the overall event minimum will be $7,000 on Tuesday and Wednesday, $12,000 on Monday, Thursday, and Friday, and $17,000 on Saturday and Sunday. Now, the ceremony times do not change the pricing, and they vary. At Epcot, the ceremonies are usually held at 9 a.m. At Animal Kingdom, they usually hold them before or after park hours. But Tamu Tamu Courtyard is a closed location, and in the past, they have let people start events there maybe an hour before the park closed. So it could be that you wouldn't have to wait until the park was completely empty before you started your event at Tamu Tamu. Okay, the next highest pricing tier is for the main resort venues. So these are the ones that you know and love. They're a little bit more than the old memories venues. They range from $8,000 to $20,000. And these are the Casitas Courtyard and the Destino Plaza at Coronado Springs, Seabreeze Point, the Croquet Lawn, and Poolside Green at Boardwalk Inn, Yacht Club Gazebo, Shipwreck Beach, and Yacht Club Marina at the Yacht and Beach Club, Oak Manor Lawn at Port Orleans Riverside, and the Summer House Patio or the Whitehall Room and Patio at the Grand Floridian. And this is interesting because Oak Manor Lawn used to be lumped in with the Wedding Pavilion for fees. So now those fees have come down a little bit and it is just considered another resort venue. So if you pick any of those venues, your ceremony fee is going to be $4,000. And your event minimum is going to vary depending on day of the week and time of day. So the cheapest one will be on Tuesday and Wednesday. Any time of day, it will cost you $8,000. Now for Monday, Thursday, and Friday, these venues will cost you $10,000 in an event minimum if you have your event at 9.30 a.m., noon, or 7.30 p.m., and they will cost you $15,000 if you have your event at 2.30 p.m. or 5 p.m. And if you pick a Saturday or a Sunday, that's the highest pricing tier. So you're looking at $15,000 for your overall event minimum if your ceremony takes place at 9.30 a.m., noon, or 7.30 p.m. And you're looking at $20,000 on Saturday and Sunday if your ceremony takes place at 2.30 p.m. or 5 p.m. Now the next tier up is the Wedding Pavilion. And as I mentioned earlier, you get all the same things you get at the other locations. You get chairs, you get a water station, you have free parking, but instead of a violinist, you get an organist. And they also have bride's vestibule and a groom's vestibule, which are not really heavy-duty getting ready places, like you can't get in there two hours early and set up with your cosmetologist, but they are a good staging area for a few moments before your ceremony. So that's kind of a perk of using the wedding pavilion. So the ceremony fee at the Wedding Pavilion is still $5,000 like it always was, but when you choose the Wedding Pavilion now, you are going to trigger a higher event minimum. So for Tuesday and Wednesdays, the event minimum when you choose the Wedding Pavilion is $10,000 overall. For Monday, Thursday, and Friday, the event minimum is $15,000 if you do a 9.30 a.m., noon, or 7.30 p.m. ceremony, and it's $25,000 if you do a 2.30 p.m. or a 5 p.m. ceremony. And then for Saturday and Sunday, the wedding pavilion is going to trigger an event minimum of $25,000 for a 9.30 a.m., noon, or 7.30 p.m. event, and it will trigger a $35,000 overall event minimum if your ceremony is at 2.30 p.m. or 5 p.m. So Chantel, it sounds like you kind of lucked out with your uh, <laughs> pricing. Yeah, of your wedding. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I I had a Tuesday wedding, but I think we would still continue to have it on a Tuesday, just because Tuesday and Wednesday are cheaper and for the whatever resort or location that we go with. And the reason that we kind of chose our date was because it's also my grandma's birthday, so we wanted to celebrate kind of the same day with her birthday and with their wedding. So we really liked that day. And we were coming from Seattle. So 
whether it was a Tuesday or a Thursday or a Saturday, everyone was going to be on vacation when we were out of town. So having it the cheapest day of the week was still beneficial for us. So I think we would still stay with that if we were going with this new structure. The wedding pavilion is a little bit more costly, I think, with this structure. But still being on a Tuesday or Wednesday would not be too much more different, I don't think, for us. So I think we would probably still stick with that wedding pavilion. If we had a dream location, I definitely would do inside of Magic Kingdom. Um, That is much more, but um, that's definitely the most dreamy background, I think, for us. But um, Wedding Pavilion is beautiful, and that was definitely our top choice out of the resorts and the different theme park locations. And that's awesome. And I'm so glad you mentioned that idea of, you know, having a wedding on a Tuesday or a Wednesday. If you've just found out about Disney weddings and you're hearing this, you might be thinking, my goodness, who gets married on a Tuesday or Wednesday? Everybody I know gets married on a Saturday. But as Chantel mentioned, when you're at Disney, you're on vacation and your guests are on vacation and they're on vacation the entire time they're at Disney. So they don't care if it's a Tuesday or if it's a Saturday. All they know is you told them to be at this place at this time and they show up and they go to the most spectacular wedding they've ever been to. (laughs) Yeah, that was one thing that all of our guests, it's five months later, and they still cannot stop talking about how wonderful the whole wedding was in general. Just every aspect of it was just, it was a show from start to finish, and it was really something unique that they had never seen. They really enjoyed every part of it, even though some parts of weddings I know can be a little boring if for the guests, if they're just sitting there and it's kind of longer. But with the Disney weddings, they definitely put so many different things into it. It was so unique and different details that you can see everywhere. We had little hidden Mickeys in our food and lots of different fun things that our guests could find. That's awesome. That sounds great. Okay, so just a couple more tiers and then we'll be done talking about the ceremony venue fee. So the next tier up is what I would maybe call the deluxe theme parks. So these are theme park locations that are more expensive than the ones we already mentioned. They range from $15,000 to $25,000. And these are basically every other venue at Animal Kingdom besides Tamu Tamu and Flame Tree Gardens. So you're talking about the Tree of Life, the Belvedere, which is in the Maharaja Jungle Trek. Boma Platform, which is that little place that you can go have snacks and look at the wildlife if you go on the special private tours of Animal Kingdom. The Harambe Market and then Expedition Everest Base Camp. All of those fall into this higher priced theme park category. Also in this theme park category are the Disney's Hollywood Studio venues. Now, right now, the only one that they are talking about on the website is Tower of Terror. Star Wars has not been released as a possibility and may not ever be released as a possibility, but Hollywood Studios has been pretty restricted on wedding venues lately because of all of that construction. So if you are interested in another location in that park, you'll need to talk to your sales consultant about whether the park is allowing events there now. So if you pick this category, your ceremony fee is going to be $4,500, just like it would be for the cheaper category, but your overall event minimum is going to be much higher. So on Tuesday and Wednesdays, you're looking at a $15,000 event minimum. On Monday, Thursday, and Friday, you're looking at a $20,000 event minimum. And on Saturday and Sunday, you're looking at a $25,000 event minimum. The times of the ceremonies vary. So again, usually with a theme park, you are required to do it either maybe two hours before the park opens or two hours after the park closes, but it really depends on what the park management team approves. So your sales consultant will go to them and tell them what you're thinking about, and they will come back and let you know about the restrictions. And unfortunately, Animal Kingdom does have restrictions because at a certain point, they have to cut your event off. You can't just have an event that lasts all night because the animals need to sleep. So (laughs) that is definitely a case where you'll need to have your sales consultant talk to the park team and find out what the restrictions are for the location that you want. Okay, and then the highest tier of event minimum is for Magic Kingdom ceremonies. So these range from $20,000 to $50,000, which actually, believe it or not, is lower than it's been in the past, so bear with me here. Your ceremony fee is going to depend on which location you want in Magic Kingdom. So if you want to have your ceremony at the train station, your ceremony fee is going to be $15,000. If you want to have it at the East Plaza Garden, which is one of the two fireworks viewing locations that they added just a couple years ago, that's $25,000. And if you want to have an after-hours wedding at the Magic Kingdom, because the, the train station and the East Plaza Garden, 
you actually start just before the park opens and then day guests are coming into the park as you're having your ceremony. But for an after hours event, when the park is closed, nobody else is in the park, that ceremony fee is $30,000. So let's take a look at what the event minimums are for these. So if you choose the train station, on Tuesday and Wednesday, you're looking at a $20,000 event minimum. On Monday, Thursday, and Friday, it's $25,000. And on Saturday and Sunday, it's $30,000. If you choose the East Plaza, on Tuesday and Wednesday, your overall event minimum will be $30,000. On Monday, Thursday, and Friday, it will be $35,000. And on Saturday and Sunday, it will be $40,000. And if you decide that you want to do the after hours event, any day of the week, it's going to start at $50,000 as your overall event minimum. Unfortunately, sometimes the park doesn't approve certain days of the week or times of year. And often with the brides I've interviewed who had Magic Kingdom weddings, you know, you may have a couple of weeks there where you're waiting to hear back from the park to find out what dates are even available. And it might not line up with the exact date that you wanted. So that's definitely something you'll need to talk to your sales consultant about. So Chantelle, if you were going to do a Magic Kingdom ceremony, what location would you choose? If I had a dream wedding, I think I would do the Magic Kingdom after hour ceremony. I'm not very much of a morning person, so I don't know about being able to get up super early for the train station to East Plaza Gardens. They are super beautiful, but I think having an after hour ceremony would be what I would go with. And I'd still stick with Tuesday or Wednesday just because, I, again, if that date was available, I kind of like having two events on the same day with my grandma's birthday. But it also saves a little bit of money having it on one of those cheaper days. <laughs> okay, so now let's talk about the booking process, the new booking process. I know this has caused a lot of heartache in the past because if you picked a certain collection, you had to wait what seemed like forever before you can book well, now, if you're doing a ceremony-only event, you can book it at 10 months. But if you're doing a ceremony with a reception, doesn't matter where you're doing it or what day of the week, or if you're doing a dessert party instead of a reception, you can book at 12 months out. So for some people who maybe were considering doing a package wedding, this is actually a bonus. You can now book two months earlier than you previously would have been able to book. When you book you are going to need to put down a deposit. And Disney is being a little bit vague on this right now. We're getting conflicting information, but it sounds like if your event minimum is $10,000 or less, you will only need to put down a $2,000 deposit. But every other type of event, you will need to put down a $4,000 deposit. Now in the past, they've actually required a $10,000 deposit for Magic Kingdom, so they may have reinstated that. It's just hard to tell at this point what they're gonna charge for the Magic Kingdom events. Basically, if you can figure on $4,000 for your deposit, you will be on the safe side. Now, of that deposit, $1,000 is going to be kept in reserve, but the rest of it is going to apply to your 90-day payment. So when you book, you sign your contract, and then 90 days before the date of your wedding or vow renewal, you need to make a payment that is either your entire event minimum or 75% of the estimated food and beverage costs, whichever is higher. But the cool thing is that if you've put down a $4,000 deposit, $3,000 of that that you've already paid is going to be applied to the 90-day payment. So that takes a little off of the amount that you're going to owe Disney at 90 days out. Now, 30 days out, your final payment will be due. And if you've already made your event minimum payment, basically that's just going to be the amount that taxes and service charge cost and any other expenditures beyond the event minimum that you are incurring. Or it will be the remaining 25% of the food and beverage estimate if that was what they assessed at 90 days for you. Now, after the event, your $1,000 that they kept in reserve is going to be refunded minus any last-minute overages or bill-on-consumption bar charges. So if you choose to do your bar bill-on-consumption, which means you pay for only exactly what people drink instead of paying for a package where they may not drink everything, usually what happens is you get money back, but sometimes if people go crazy and they order a lot more drinks than you expected, it might cost more than Disney estimated, and in that case, they would just take that out of the $1,000 that you've already paid them. 
I have an entire episode on how to decide between package and bill on consumption bars. So you can check that out and I will put a link to it in the post for this episode on DisneyWeddingPodcast.com. Now, another interesting thing about this new pricing structure is they are no longer insisting that you have to set up a room block. For many years, they've actually been pretty easygoing about this, and you didn't really have to set up a room block, but it was listed as one of the requirements. Now they're no longer, the terminology no longer makes it sound like it's something you have to do. A room block is something you might want to consider because it allows you to set aside room nights at certain Disney resorts for a rate provided to you by Disney's fairy tale weddings. And sometimes that rate is a discount, but sometimes it's actually more than the discounts that people can get just as members of the general public. So it can be hard sometimes to decide if you actually want to set up a room block, but your room block coordinator can let you know what those prices would be. And I have a whole episode on the room block that explains that. If you decide that it is something you want to do, it explains how do you set one up, how do you guess where your guests are going to want to stay, what are the penalties if you don't fill it, what do you get if you do fill it. All that stuff is in that episode, and it's also in Carrie Hayward's Fairy Tale Weddings Guide. Chantel, did you guys set up a room block with your event? No, we didn't. We actually decided not to go with it just because a lot of our family were staying off-site and they decided to stay in larger hotels where they could all kind of share together. We did have a couple family members that did stay on-site, but to get the room block, you need to have a certain amount of people and nights. So we decided it was just easier to go without having the room block and my uh, husband and I travel each year in September and we actually book normally with the free dining plan. So we kind of told our family about that as well. And majority of the people that stayed on site did take advantage of that just so that they could enjoy the parks and the restaurants while they were staying on property. That's a good point. I'm glad you brought that up because the one thing that is always a sticking point for people is that if you do set up a room block, that is a room-only reservation, which means that if your guests want to book any kind of package, including the paid dining plan or the free dining plan, any package that requires them to book a room and a ticket will not qualify for the room block. So that can be kind of a sticky situation. And like Chantel, you may find it's better just to forego the room block altogether. Yeah, we had uh, about half of our guests that stayed on site and half that didn't just because some people wanted to go to the park. Some people had other plans because a majority of our guests hadn't even been to Florida before. So it was a new experience for most people. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so let's take a look at some of the frequently asked questions that have already been springing up since Disney made this change yesterday. The first one I see a lot is, what if I already signed my memories or escape or wishes letter of agreement, which is the contract? So if you already signed, you are going to be grandfathered in to the old pricing and policies. So depending on what your location is, this could be great, or it could be that you would be paying more. So if you want to take advantage of the new pricing and policies, get out your pencil and paper, figure out which one is going to be cheaper for you. If you decide you do want to take advantage of the new pricing and policies, you will need to sign an addendum to your existing contract. And that is something that your sales consultant can help you with. But if you're happy with what you have, you know, you just booked yesterday or you have been talking to a sales consultant and you were supposed to sign today, talk to your sales consultant. They can get you that same old pricing structure because you've already been working with them. Next question I see a lot is, how do I figure out now what my wedding is going to cost? If you go to Disney's Fairy Tale Weddings website, they now have these vague price ranges, and it's sort of frustrating because before they gave you this neat little formula that would show you exactly what your wedding was going to cost. So this is how you do it. You look up the event minimum for the ceremony venue, time of day, and day of week that you want in the document, in the post for this episode on DisneyWeddingPodcast.com. So you look up that event minimum based on your choices, and that is your total minimum spend requirement. That is the very minimum amount of money that you must spend with Disney to have your wedding. It doesn't include the tax and service charge. I have information on that in Fairytale Weddings Guide that will explain how to calculate that and will automatically calculate it for you if you get the ebook. But this is the basic round number of what you're going to need to spend with Disney. Then 
you find the ceremony fee for your venue and you subtract that from the event minimum and that shows you how much you must spend on any other service offered by Disney in order to meet the overall event minimum. So like our example before, you have a $15,000 event minimum at the wedding pavilion because of the day of the week and the time of the day you chose. You take out the $5,000 that you're paying for the wedding pavilion venue, and that leaves $10,000 that you must spend with Disney on anything they provide. Floral, decor, transportation, entertainment, music, photography, anything that you can get from Disney is going to apply toward that. Another question that people have had since time immemorial is, what is the absolute cheapest price for a Walt Disney World wedding or vow renewal? So that is a little bit different now. Now the absolute lowest price for which you can have a wedding or vow renewal at Walt Disney World is $5,000 plus tax and service charge. And that's if you choose their lowest tier of ceremony venues. So these are all the old memories collection locations and that's on a Tuesday or a Wednesday. Another question I see a lot is, well, I was gonna have an escape wedding. Now, can I add just cake and champagne to a ceremony only? Do I have to have a reception or can I just add that cake and champagne? Yes, you can totally have just a ceremony and add a la carte the cake and champagne or cider or whatever you wanna drink at the ceremony site for a food and beverage minimum of $50, which is very easy to meet because Disney's two-tier cakes start at about $250 and go up. And that will give you two hours at the site for the ceremony and then a little you know, brief reception where you have the cake and champagne just like you would have done with Escape. You can custom design your cake. You don't have to choose from preset Escape options anymore. Everything is custom. So you can custom design your cake. You can select exactly what beverages you want. You're not going to have to pay a venue fee or meet a venue-specific food and beverage minimum if you stay at the ceremony site. You would only have to pay a venue fee and possibly meet a venue-specific food and beverage minimum if you move to a location that has one of those things or both of those things. So in general, just stay at your ceremony site. You just pay for exactly what you want to add, cake, champagne, some appetizers, whatever you want to add. That's all you're going to pay. Now, another question I'm seeing is, what if I just want a ceremony and a dessert party? Yes, you can add a dessert party to your ceremony, but the dessert party is not going to count toward your event minimum that is triggered by your ceremony site unless you treat that dessert party as a reception, which means that you meet the per person food and beverage minimums associated with having a reception. So as I mentioned earlier, you would just have your reception in a location that traditionally people have dessert parties. But if you're inside a park outdoors, you can't have characters or amplified entertainment until after the park is cleared. Now, another frequently asked question is, what if we are Catholic and we need to get married in a church off-site, but we want to have a Disney reception? Or what if I just want to have my ceremony off-site, but I still want to pay for a Disney reception? With this new pricing policy, all of the prices are based on the ceremony venue that you pick. So if you just want a reception, Disney does it a little bit differently. They will calculate an event minimum based on your number of guests, and then you will just have to meet that minimum and concurrently the $140, $165, or $190 food and beverage minimum per person. So when you meet the 140, 165, 190, that also applies toward this overall event minimum that they will calculate for you. For example, if you have an estimated guest count of 100 to 110 guests, the minimum would be $15,000. But if 110 guests show up, you're already going to be spending at least $140 each for them on a brunch. So that adds up to $15,400 right there. So you're easily going to meet the event minimum. Another frequently asked question, does everything get tax and service charge now? No, not everything. Only those elements that previously got tax and service charge will now get tax and service charge. However, there is no quote unquote tax and service charge free portion of your expenses the way there used to be when you had escape or memories. When you paid that flat fee for the package and everything in it came with included tax and service charge, you didn't have to worry about them. Now, if you add a bouquet, you add a cake, you're going to pay the service charge on the cake. You're going to pay tax on the bouquet and tax on the service charge on the cake. 
There's a complete list of what gets tax and service charge inside Carrie Hayward's Fairy Tale Weddings Guide. It's all broken out by category, and it even shows you which things get tax on the service charge. Another question I'm seeing a lot, do I still have to book a two or four night stay at a Disney-owned resort? In the past, when you booked a memories collection, they required you to book a two night stay. And if you booked escape, you had to book a four night stay and it had to be at a resort owned and operated by Disney. So you couldn't do the Swan and Dolphin or Four Seasons or anything like that. This requirement is gone. There is no more requirement. You can stay wherever you want. You just have to meet that event minimum. This next one is a little bit tricky. Can I have a planning session or a rehearsal? Disney has been very vague on this point. It sounds like they will probably continue to offer planning sessions for weddings and vow renewals that cost above a certain price point, but they haven't said what that is. And it could just be for ones that include a reception. Now, I'm just spitballing here, but they may even say, well, you can only have one if you pay a fee for one. In the past, they had something like a $50 or $100 per person charge if you wanted to add extra people to your menu tasting. And so I can see that possibly being an option where anybody can do a planning session, but it costs a little bit extra. So we're going to have to stand by and wait for Disney to release official information on that, as well as whether or not you can still do a rehearsal. I would imagine that they can arrange a rehearsal for you in a ballroom, but maybe not at, say, an in-park venue. Again, that was something that in the past, if you paid for an event guide, you could do it in the park but they haven't said how they're treating this now. So stand by. I will update that and my guide as soon as we find out that information. Now, one of the interesting side effects of the change with the pricing and policies is that Disney fine art photography is now completely separate from Disney weddings. It's not included in any packages because there are no packages. And if you want to book it, you book it directly with Disney fine art photography. So one of the questions I'm seeing a lot is, do I still get albums or photo prints if I choose Disney fine art photography? The way that their packages work now, the pricing is based on the number of hours and the number of photographers you need, and it only includes the actual act of photography and then the high-res digital images. You can book in any number of hours that you need, but if you book five hours or more, you will also get the images on a USB drive. Otherwise, if it's not included in your package, you can add a USB for $150. But all packages, no matter how few hours you book, will get the high-resolution images from a website that you can download. You would just need to pay the extra for the USB if your package doesn't include it, and you absolutely have to have your images on a USB. Now, albums and prints are no longer included, but they may be added a la carte. So this starts at $250 for the 8 by 8 inch mini book, which is a printed book. The images are printed like a coffee table style book, but it's very tiny. Or $350 for a Jasmine album. And this was the basic album that used to come with the Escape Collection package. They're actual photos that are flush mounted into the album. And I think it had, by default, it had 20 images. And then you could, for extra money, you could add more images. So that starts at $350 if you still want to add that. But because you're able to download the high-res digital versions of all your images, you may find that you want to make your own album on an independent service or website. And that way you can customize it exactly how you want. And it's usually a lot cheaper than Disney. And then the last question I'm seeing a lot of is, will there be an update to Carrie Hayward's Fairy Tale Weddings Guide? Yes, there will be. I am aiming to have the ebook updated by early next week or as soon as possible. If you order a print guide at any time after the ebook goes live, it will also contain the revised information. Unfortunately, the way Blurb works, I can't give refunds or do any kind of updates to the print guides because Blurb controls everything about the print production. But if you have purchased an ebook version of Carrie Hayward's Fairy Tale Weddings Guide, I will send out an email when it is updated. You can just go back into your account and re download the file, and you will get the brand new completely revised, missing three chapters, <laughs> all new version of Carrie Hayward's Fairy Tale Weddings Guide with all of this new information that we talked about today. Before we wrap up, Chantel, do you have any advice or tips for anyone who's considering a Disney wedding? 
Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So I would, I definitely recommend checking your BEO ahead of time. We had a chip cup that was supposed to be included with our cake kind of as a secondary dessert at the reception. And when we went to do our cake cutting, we actually found out at that moment that it had been changed. We originally were supposed to have the actual chip cup from Be Our Guest Restaurant. And then it was switched actually, uh, I guess, the Magic Kingdom catering reached out to Disney Weddings and said that they couldn't do the chip cup anymore a week before that. And we found out when we did our cake cutting about 10 minutes before the chip cup was supposed to arrive out for everyone else. So I wish I would have known that a little bit earlier, uh, just because we already had desserts that were going to be delivered at our dessert party and we already had a cake. So I don't know that we would have done the chip cup and we really wanted the Beauty and the Beast aspect part of the wedding. So it was a little disappointing, but they turned out really great. Everyone didn't even know that it was supposed to look like chip, and they thought it was really cute and really tasty. So it still turned out well, but just kind of double-checking all those details ahead of time would be really um, something that I would recommend just to double-check that you don't have any big surprises like that on your big day. That's a really great point. So when you do a Disney's fairy tale wedding, you are given this document they call a BEO, which is a banquet event order, and it is like the Bible of your day. It's where your planner puts every single detail, every special thing you've asked for, every regular thing you've asked for. The whole map of your day is in this BEO, and you get multiple versions of it during the planning process as you change and add and subtract things. So it's always important to go through it with a fine-tooth comb because if what you want is not in the BEO, it's not going to happen for you. So definitely, as Chantel recommends, keep an eye on that so that you're on top of any changes, anything that maybe your planner forgot to mention to you, you're going to find it in your BEO and you can either correct it or ask about it so you know what to expect on the day. So with all of these changes to the pricing, you may be wondering, is a Disney's fairy tale wedding worth it? Chantel, what would you say? I definitely would say it's still worth it. I have never been to a wedding quite like a Disney wedding. And all of my guests, like I said earlier, had said the exact same thing. They've been to lots of weddings because our family's um, very large. And they said there's nothing that really can compare to it. It's so unique. It's such a great experience. And honestly, compared to the pricing in our area in Seattle, it is still significantly cheaper. So I think having... Not only like a Disney wedding, but also a big family vacation with your friends and family was such a magical experience. We had never done anything like that. And even if you have a smaller wedding, you're still having a big group that, you know, you can enjoy the parks with, enjoy your special day with. And I think it's just they put so many details into everything um, that you would normally have to plan or maybe another planner would have to plan for you back home. And you have to, you know, get all the vendors together, which that's something nice that Disney does. They collect all the vendors together and we had very little we had to bring with us just a couple, um, like small things like our toasting flutes and our guest book, but everything else was handled and it was so smooth. So yeah, I, I, it's definitely worth it. I, it turned out so beautiful and I'm so glad that we went with Disney and even with this new pricing structure, we still would have went with them. That's great to hear. Well, Chantel, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me today. I think you've offered a lot of great tips for anyone who's interested in planning a wedding or a vow renewal at Walt Disney World, and I appreciate your taking the time. Yeah, of course. Thank you for having me. That's our show for today. I'm your host, Carrie Hayward, inviting you to join me again next week for another episode of the Disney Wedding Podcast. In the meantime, send your comments, questions, and suggestions to info at DisneyWeddingPodcast.com. Past shows are available in iTunes and on the show site, DisneyWeddingPodcast.com. And for instant answers to all your Disney's Fairy Tale Weddings questions, check out Carrie Hayward's Fairy Tale Weddings Guide, available as an interactive ebook with continual free updates at fairytaleweddingsguide.com. <laughs>